Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 144. John and Wendy talk to Shana Sweeney. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you tonight, John? I am well and happy Thanksgiving, Wendy. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to you. How's it going? <laughs> we are recording a little before that, but yes. if you're listening on the day of or, or around that time, this episode is coming out on American Thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for this year, regardless of how crazy things may be. We are certainly thankful for our, all of you listeners, for our guests, sponsors, mm-hmm. everybody that's part of this crazy ride that we've been on. Definitely. But Wendy, I, you know, I wanted to reflect a little bit. What's your most memorable Thanksgiving? Oh, so many to choose from. Um, you know, growing up in South Dakota, there are many like half memories that you have from when you were a kid of um, sitting in the back seat and driving through snow to get to somebody's house for, <laughs> right. for Thanksgiving. But, you know, the last two years we have uh, taken Thanksgiving up to my mother-in-law's or last year it was both of them and cooked Thanksgiving dinner there because it's hard. It's been hard for them to travel and uh, we'll be doing that again this year. I love to cook Thanksgiving dinner. I am one of those oddballs. I enjoy the the hustle, the bustle. I don't want any help. Just let me do my thing. So a couple of years ago, my mother-in-law felt sorry for me because I had to cook. And so we went to her house and two days later, I cooked Thanksgiving dinner at our house and she found out. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So now we just take Thanksgiving up to them. So I get to do what I want to do and we get to have Thanksgiving with them. And even now, um, I know a lot of people are not doing Thanksgiving with family because of the pandemic. It it, it is a risk that we're willing to take because um, it is our first Thanksgiving without my father-in-law. And um, I know it's going to be a hard one. We're going to take the risk. How about you? What's a favorite memory? certainly understand people are ne- not necessarily going to be able to get yeah. together this year. And that's unfortunate, but certainly understandable. My fondest Thanksgiving memory is Thanksgiving of 1988. Oh, wow. <laughs> when I was in my high school band, we performed at the Macy's Day Parade. Oh, that would be very memorable. We had a TV call for NBC at 3.30 in the morning. Oof. And they had the street lit up. And those of you who've been to New York, watch the Macy's Parade when they film right there in front of uh, Macy's store. They have that entire block lit up like it's daytime mm. at three o'clock in the morning to do all the TV checks. So I'll never forget like performing. And it was like 30. It was brutal. Wow. And that's a pretty long parade. I think it's like yeah. four miles. You record at the end, like you go through the whole thing. And then at the end, you're on television. Our claim to fame is that we were the first marching band to ever spell anything. Oh, wow. We spelled NBC and Macy's. Nice. Which was pretty damn cool. That's very cool. <laughs> so every very every cool. year on Thanksgiving, other than watching Turkeys, uh, Turkeys Away, the, the greatest d- episode of WKRP in Cincinnati, <laughs> we always crack out and watch the YouTube video of my performance of the 1988 Macy's Day Parade of the Oldham County High School Marching Colonels performing in that parade because it was just one of the greatest memories I've had in my life. It was so much fun and just that uh, whole trip to New York, my first trip to New York, and it was just way, way cool. I think you need to share that YouTube video so that we can all enjoy it. I will do that. You Sadly, you will never know which one I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's a VHS tape from 1988. And right. the feed is not good. <laughs> no 4K here. No 4K here. 
Certainly, we'd love for people to share their memories, yeah. and I will share the video just as proof that it does indeed exist. <laughs> but, but we do wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving yeah. and, and happy be safe if you're traveling. Enjoy whatever food you're enjoying. Thank you for everything that all of you do for us. Yeah. I'm really excited about tonight's guest, Wendy. I, I think we met Shana through, I believe, through Nicole Roberts, actually. And then she so. came to a trivia night. We had a chance to talk. She's got some really interesting experience and background that I appreciate her being willing to share. I'm super excited. I'm going to let you make the introduction. Let's get started. Very excited to welcome Shana to the show tonight. So honestly, she generally just tells people that she does HR stuff, but when pressed to give an actual bio, it goes a little like this. Shana Sweeney is the chief HR officer at Sugar CRM, a customer experience software company where she has responsibility for HR as well as facilities, IT, security, and compliance. Shana has more than 20 years of experience in HR and has managed to work in all functional areas of HR. Additionally, she has worked in a broad array of industries and company sizes and even co-founded a software startup. She holds an MS in Human Resources Management and a BS in International Politics. Well, Shana, welcome to the show and so excited to have you here. But our first question, as always, what is in your glass? Hi, thanks so much for having me. And in my glass today, I have a chocolate martini. Oh, nice. I think that's a first. I think I don't think we've ever had a martini. Really? Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever had a martini before. Yay. If they have, it's definitely not been chocolate. (laughs) Right. I like things sweet, so we gotta have the chocolate martini. Shana, again, so glad that you were able to join us. And let's just get right out of the box here. In your bio, we talk about your background. You certainly didn't go to school to do human resources. How in the world did you get into this world? I got into HR by pure random chance. Uh, So I majored in international politics, and I wanted to go work for the Department of State. And to work for the Department of State, you have to take an exam, wait several months, and then you go for an on-site interview. And as a new college grad, I needed to do some work, so I started doing temp work in HR and liked it and it stuck. You spent some time in your career before HR. Didn't you spend some time doing that international type stuff? I lived in France for a year and studied there. And then in college, I actually lived and worked in Hungary and did some work around helping Hungary in, this is totally dating myself in terms of age, but helping Hungary get into the European Union and NATO in the uh, post-communist days. Wow. Wow. That's cool. Amazing. Yeah. You know, that's totally the normal transition into HR. Absolutely. Yes. Everyone. Very and, much yeah. so. Yeah. But it was interesting. I actually got to do a bunch of field work in Hungary and my main focus was trying to assess and analyze the minority situation there because there were fears at the time that they were going to get sucked into the Yugoslav conflict. So I had to prove that it wasn't a risk to the UN or um, the EU to accept Hungary. Wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> and like you said, just such an easy transition to HR there. You know? Yeah, totally, kind of, totally. <laughs> everyone does that. You're obviously interested in, in global, international stuff. Um, And you've been involved in organizations with a global presence for much of your career. So talk a little bit about the complexities that brings, especially right now. We're in the midst of a pandemic that is worldwide. Sure. My first disclaimer will be any place I have ever worked, crazy things happen. Nothing normal ever happens. 
And so from a global perspective, I've had things where, I don't know, I guess from a complexity standpoint, you have to keep track of a lot of different rules in a lot of different countries uh, with the pandemic, which I know a lot of people are sick of hearing about. So sorry. You have to keep track of what the rules are around contact tracing and work from home. And when you do have something that comes up, you have to figure out how to to deal with notifying the government agencies or notifying the other people. I had an issue recently where I had a three country contact tracing issue where we had to notify governments in Germany, the UK and Spain and try to get the three groups to coordinate with each other to get people tested because all of that's coordinated through the government there. And so there's just a lot of complexity in general with trying to keep track of all of the changes, all of the rules, all of the regulations in all the different places. And then the more countries you add, the more complex it is to try to manage. And currently, how many countries you have employees in? I think we're in nine right now. As of today, we are in nine. (laughs) But we add countries periodically, and that's its own challenge when you're trying to set up a new entity in a new country and figure out all the employment laws there. And then, you know, what the minimum employment laws are versus market practice, market practices, because those can vary dramatically and getting benefits if it's applicable set up and, and trying to get payroll set up and all of that. In the midst of all this complexity, and you said everywhere you've been, nothing's normal. You've had some rather exciting challenges, I I think maybe is a fair way to put it. What is the most challenging policy or issue you've ever had to address from that global perspective? And as you're addressing it, where do you find the support or the knowledge to do it? We have this network of people, and one of the reasons I was really excited to have you here with us, we don't know a lot of people that do global work like you do. What's been the most challenging? And then how do you go about addressing that? I'll give you a couple stories of challenging things because, like I said, craziness abounds in my world. (laughs) Um, One of the issues that we're actually dealing with right now is we have people in Belarus. And you may or may not know, Belarus had a contested election, much, much different than the U.S. election. But in the election there, the president only won about 3% of the vote, but then and the opposition candidates won 97% of the vote, but the president flipped it and made it look like he had won 97% of the vote. And what ensued after that was a lot of protests in the streets, a lot of police violence, in all honesty. There had been tens of thousands, if not millions at this point, of people out protesting in Belarus. And some of our employees got arrested. And so then we were trying to figure out what can we do to try to support them, get them out of prison, continue actually doing the work that we need to do to get done and balancing that out. So we we spent a fair amount of time talking to some different folks, seeing if we could come up with what I will call creative solutions, which had been a bit problematic. There was a a company actually in Belarus where they offered to pay the police to quit their job. And in retaliation, the government arrested their CEO, CFO, head of operations and head of HR and imprisoned all of them. 
And so it's a little bit of a difficult issue. And you're like, okay, can we pay bail? Well, bail doesn't exist. So no, you can't pay bail. Can we pay attorney fees? No, the attorneys are all working pro bono because this is like a big national, huge issue there. And so we tried to see, we're like, okay, could we pay a sign on or some sort of bonus to our third party payroll agency and have them do something? But that that wasn't possible. And so we were kind of stuck, like trying to figure out how do we get these people out of jail? Can we involve the Department of State? Can we involve, you know, any of our elected representatives to intervene? Luckily, our people were released pretty early and uh, without harm. But there are tons of other employers who have folks there that are dealing with the same type of issue. So that's been one lately that's been going on. Other ones that I've had, I had someone pass away in the Middle East while traveling on business and had to try to arrange to get their body back home, which you don't really think about very often, but there's a lot of paperwork and all these like international rules about human remains and stuff. And organizing that is also was a challenge. And then probably the third one that I could think of was we had a And this one's a great story, so I can't resist telling it. (laughs) We had an employee and their partner working in India for a year. They were getting ready to go on vacation. They both got bit by a dog. Our employee went and got treated at some local place, and then they went on their vacation to Nepal. Well, while they were in Nepal, whatever the employee had gotten treated with did not agree with her, and she passed away. And the Nepalese police decided that her partner was guilty of of her death. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And they arrested him. Well, it turned out the dog had rabies. So he was in this prison. We were trying to get him out of the prison. Meanwhile, he had like rabies that was like developing in his system. We're like calling people. We're, we finally sent some paramilitary person agency in to go get him out of the jail and get him back because he was like dying of rabies. Oh my gosh. And then we got him back uh, in time to like save him, but he ended up with massive nerve damage and stuff. But had we not been, had the resources as a company to go intervene and pay this like third party to go get this guy out, he probably would have passed away too. And crazy situations like that happen. Wow. What did I tell you, Wendy? Yeah, (laughs) that's crazy. That is, yeah. And I'd like to say I have some like magic secret for how you figure this stuff out. (laughs) But most of it is so unique. There's not a book for it. There's not really anything. And so when I've had situations like this come up, from my international background, I'll talk to people at the Department of State. I'll talk to my elected representatives. Oftentimes, if particularly if it's an American overseas, you can um, they can help. Similarly, if it's like a British person in another country, you can go to the British foreign embassy and get help. And then other times, I just talk to r- random people that I know, kind of in the world, and they'll say, "Oh." I know someone that knows someone that did this. And so there's a lot of networking and trying to find local resources in countries and get 
updates or, or get to political figures in the other countries that can intervene on your behalf. But there's not really a secret guidebook. I wish <laughs> that would be so handy. I don't that know. That may be something you can work on. You may be. <laughs> wow. That's, that's just, yeah. Like I said, I think that's, that's crazy. It's not something I, I ever expected. What advice would you give to an HR pro that's like, Hey, I've got, I'm getting this new job. I'm going to be in, you know, working with international folks. How, what kind of advice would you give them? Learn about your own ethnocentrism, particularly if you're an American. A lot of times you don't fully realize what things you do that are American and American business specific. And so you really need to recognize what are the norms here, why they're the norms here from sort of a sociology cultural perspective. And then you can appreciate how people do business differently in different countries. When I lived abroad, I had to go through this whole cultural training. And one of the things we used to say is it's not better, it's not worse, it's just different. And so you need to remember a lot about that from an international perspective, because people, for example, have different perspectives of time and what time means, you know, and we might be over here as Americans, like you need to get this done now, 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 now. Well, now to us means something very different to someone else in certain other countries. And there's differences in hierarchy and position status. And the faster that you learn to recognize your own tendencies and how culturally driven those are, the easier it will be to accept, absorb, and adjust to other cultural norms. Shana, we mentioned, you know, we got connected earlier during all this craziness that is COVID. We connected through social and see like you've been more active and out there. What prompted you to ramp up your engagement in this time and what's been the best thing to come out of it for you? So I make quarterly New Year's resolutions Okay. Uh, because I am a super nerd and like <laughs> organization and checklists. <laughs> it's the only way I can control the chaos that goes on around me. And so I had made a New Year's resolution to network more. And then the pandemic happened. And here where I'm located in California, we had shelter in place where we couldn't go out really for months and months. So I was like, okay, well, how can I transition this to networking elsewhere? And I was like, okay, let me try online. And so I started getting involved more on Twitter because it's short form and I don't always have a ton of time. And I was like, okay, I can, I can commit to this. And so I have met just a ton, a ton of amazing, fantastic people over the course of this year that I feel I can tap into their expertise, I can bounce ideas off them. If I'm having a frustrating day, I can chat with people instead of my poor spouse who has to hear a lot of my HR horror stories. And it's just been really nice to have that network and that sort of HR safety net available. Yeah, I think we would agree with that. I like that HR safety net. I think that's our new hashtag, John. I like it. So Shana, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, which is the half hour question connection. As we know, most people don't dream of an HR career when they're a child, but we always want to, we want to know what career did you dream of having when you were a child? I wanted to be Shirley Temple, yeah. who danced and was a child actress, and then later on in her life became a diplomat. 
So I danced as a kid and then I studied <laughs> international politics. <laughs> I love it. You actually kind of led down that road. You actually kind of went that way, Helen. Yeah. Yeah. And I still do tap dancing. It is safe to say nobody has said they wanted to be Shirley Temple on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's safe. Yeah, that was, my, that was like my dream as a kid. Shana, you, you talked about making a lot of connections and building your network in the last many months. Who's one person you've gained in the last year you think more people should know? I don't think I could name just one person. There have been so many. I have a, a, a regular kind of get together with, with a group of folks, Nicole Roberts, Pam Ross, Mike Vaughn. There's a bunch of people. I don't think I could name one person because everyone's been so great, which has been fantastic. Shana, a new HR professional asks you for one piece of advice. What do you tell them? Learn how your company makes its money. I think that is an underrated skill uh, that a lot of HR people don't do. And I think it helps you get for lack of a better word, you're seated at, ta at the table faster. If you know, you know, who your major customers are, how you make your money, and just kind of core business things, like set up a Google alert and follow your industry and then read a few articles a week. Uh, I think it's very, very helpful and will make you a much better business partner and, and more trusted as a business person. Shana, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? So I'm super shy in general, which is why networking was one of my New Year's resolutions. So I like helping people out on like a one-to-one -one basis. And so anytime anyone asks me a question about anything, I am always happy to help. So I've been helping people here and there in some of the different networks I'm in and you know, giving advice on weird specific little issues or sharing resources. So that's how I like to get back. What's your favorite movie? Part of my job, I manage IT and security. And what's your favorite movie is one of the default security questions that most people ask. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you my favorite movie. <sighs> but I will say one of my other resolutions I've been working on is watching the top 250 movies on IMDb. And so right now I am currently watching Seven Samurai, which oh. is very good, very old, very, very long, but kind of reminds me some of the themes in it and, and things they do kind of remind me of like Avengers and assembling the crew and then going and fighting the evil. It's safe to say that many, many of the films that we appreciate borrowed heavily from Seven Samurai. I, I don't know if this is also a security question. How about a favorite musician or band? That's not normally a security question. <laughs> um, I kind of like punk and ska music. A lot of times at work, I'll listen to like really loud, screamy music because then it makes me feel calm inside no matter what else is going on. I would say one of my favorite ones to listen to is Goldfinger. Not everyone has heard of, but it's very good. Oh, I don't think I've heard of them. So I'll have to check them out. How about a favorite TV show? I watch a lot of TV, which I don't know if I should admit to. <laughs> That's okay. I don't know if I have a favorite TV show. I always have like a favorite in the moment. Lately, I've been watching a show called Misfits, which is a British teen comedy, probably okay. from the early 90s. 
I I love uh, the idea of plucky youngsters in TV shows where they're they have sassy dialogue and uh, overcome obstacles. It brings me joy. And so I watch a lot of shows like that. I know Goldfinger. I've never heard of Misfits. I, I have to check that out. Definitely. Like I said, I, I know a lot of films. I think Star Wars borrows a lot from Seven Samurai, if I recall correctly. And Magnificent Seven, of course. Yeah. If you're not watching the 250 movies that IMDb says we should watch, you're not listening to Goldfinger, not watching plucky teen comedies. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, as a, I like that yes. as a group. If you're not doing those things, what else do you like to do outside of work? I play a lot of video games. Because I am a checklist person, I love role-playing games where you quest and complete things. Probably because in my daily life in HR, I have a huge to-do list that I can never get to. So in a video game, I can check things off the list. So (laughs) I play a fair amount of video games and I cook a lot. So while I do not really cook Thanksgiving uh, dinner because no one in my house likes turkey, I do like to cook a lot of other other things. So I spend a lot of time in the kitchen. What game's been in most rotation during COVID? Uh, during COVID, I've been playing Skyrim, which is an older game, but it's... it's but a, you could play it forever, yes, right? Yes, exactly. You could play for years and years and years, in theory. Yeah. Well, and I also had kind of hoped like I would finish the main like quest. So I, when I play role-playing games, I do the main quest, but I also insist on completing 100% of every side quest to get the most out of the game. And so I'd hoped (laughs) that the pandemic would not last that long and I'd be able to finish Skyrim, but I don't even think I'm 50% of the way there. Wow. Well, Shana, finally, it's Shana Sweeney Day all around the world. What are we doing to celebrate? Let's see. To celebrate my day, I would have an event at probably a U.S. public library. Sorry for those of you not in the U.S. We actually have a very good public library system here. I think the public library is very underutilized and people don't realize all the fantastic resources that are available for them there. So we would be at the public library. Everyone would learn about all the awesome things it can do. Along with that, I went to a high school where everyone was a minority And the best thing about that was we had these international food days. And on international food day, everyone's aunties and grandmothers came and brought homemade food from wherever they were from. So we would be at the library having international food day with homemade food from everyone's family. Oh, fun. I love that. You had me at food. (laughs) it was the best I still miss and it doesn't have to be turkey (laughs) well Shana I can't thank you enough when we had a chance to speak prior to this and and you were telling me some of your stories we just had to have you on to share so much appreciate you being willing to share your perspective I know a lot of our listeners this is going to be very very eye-opening for them I think Wendy I could hear it in her that it was I know some of our listeners may be connected with you but if they're not and as you're building your network, what's the best way for them to reach you out there? Uh, I'm on Twitter as Calshana, or you could find me on LinkedIn, which I think I'm uh, Shana Sweeney. I've never looked myself up for what my name is, but <laughs> I'm on there. You can find me. If you message me, I'll answer. We will have them in the show notes. I'll look it up just to be sure. <laughs> and Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for the listeners to find you out there? 
Uh, best way is always on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern time, you will find me on Twitter as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman and for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, rate, review, share, anything and everything you do to help us boost the signal. We appreciate international listeners. We're coming for you. Contact us. Let's let's have these conversations. We've talked about what it's like to be dealing in international HR. How about you come talk to us about what it's like to maybe deal with people in the States when it comes to HR? There we go. Different take. I like it. Shane, appreciate being with us tonight. Wendy, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Shana, Thanksgiving. happy Thanksgiving. Everyone take care. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.